Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing Word from God. God bless you. I do very strongly believe it is a word for, for our whole church. I'm not responsible for the whole world, but Pastor Jürgen and I are responsible for our church. So I'm going to bring a word to our church. It's called... How do we save a city? And we're in our Wonderful Life series. And if you want to have a wonderful life, my, my advice and counsel to you today is to be someone who reads the Word of God, obeys the Word of God, lives the Word of God, and shares the Word of God. And I've been loving reading through our Bible in a year, and I'm stuck. I, I always get stuck. I'm, I'm very proud of you all who, who have been able to track along with Pastor Jürgen. However, I'm not such a person. I'm still in Jonah. I've been in Jonah for, for two weeks. I can't, I can't leave him. And he's only four chapters long, but I'm obsessed with his story because I feel like he's God's man of the hour. So I'm going to be sharing from his story today. And I really believe there are some principles for us that God wants to, to get our church to see at this time. God has this amazing way of making every story in the Bible about everyone and also someone. He can speak to everyone all at once and yet pierce the heart of an individual. And that's what we see in this story. It was a prophet sent to Nineveh, a rebellious city. But the story wasn't just about Nineveh, about San Diego, the slightly rebellious city. It was also about the rebellious prophet. And you're going to see the interweaving of the story of the saving of a city and the saving of a rebellious prophet all at the same time. So I'm going to start reading in Jonah chapter 1, starting with verse 1. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Now, Amittai means truth. Jonah is the son of truth. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. And you thought that God didn't see the stuff that's going on. He doesn't see the things that are going on behind closed doors. But the Bible says that the eyes of the Lord watch over the wicked and the good. And so God gives him this command. I want you to go and announce my judgment. But, somebody say but. but. Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction. To get away from the Lord, my friends, it's a fool's errand. Don't try to get away from the Lord. You can run, but you cannot hide. And so he went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. FYI, Tarshish was 2,500 miles in the opposite direction of Nineveh by sea. Nineveh, however, was 500 miles away by land. Have you ever noticed that when we disobey God, it always takes a lot more effort than if we just did what he asked? Have you, have you noticed that? So he bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord, again, Jonah, really, by sailing to Tarshish. But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm. Look what his disobedience created, a violent storm that threatened 
to break the ship apart. Fearing for the li their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hole. Now, I'm not sure if our boy Jonah took an Ambien. <laughs> I don't know what's going on here, but they're all like fighting for their lives and our boy is sleeping. So the captain went down after him. How can you sleep at a time like this? He shouted. Get up and pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. Isn't it interesting that in a crisis, even unbelievers start to think prayer is a good idea? <laughs> then the crew cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods and caused the terrible storm. When they did this, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. God's not giving him a pass. Have you noticed? There, there is no rescuing going on here. In fact, God's sitting back going, you know what, I'm going to let this play out, my friend, because there's a lesson here I want you to learn. Why has this awful storm come down on us? They demanded. Who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? And what is your nationality? All questions, ironically, that it's apparently offensive to ask people right now. Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. The sailors were terrified when they heard this, for he had already told them he was running away from the Lord. Oh, why did you do it? They groaned. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do to you to stop this storm? Throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm again. I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. So Jonah's disobedience ends up in a storm. And have any of you noticed that, we're in the, that when we're in those disobedient moments, that it's usually the innocents that end up suffering? And this is what exactly is what is happening with Jonah right here. And you'll know from your own life, husbands, wives, Kids, when we make poor decisions in misalignment with what God has asked us to do, we disobey his word, it doesn't usually just affect us, it affects the people around us. Just ask that man that had that affair and he said, well, if it's not going to hurt anybody. On the contrary, my friend, it's hurting a lot of people. But what I love about this story, and I'm not here to condemn people today, but to enlighten you to the truth of God's word is that God chases Jonah down. He doesn't let him be disobedient without, without contest. And doesn't that make you feel good? Like, if, if you don't give God your yes, he's going to chase you down till he gets his yes. And we, and we can sometimes turn God into a bit of a beta male in church. We can make him, oh, well, you're just in God's permissive will. But on the contrary, the Bible tells us that God is a jealous God. He, he's not jealous of us, but he's jealous for us. And he knows there's an assignment and a mandate and something that he has put on your life that he will pursue you till your final breath for you to fulfill it. Yes. And I don't know how, about you, but that gives me great courage. And Jonah found out, like King David in Psalm 139, where can I flee from your spirit? Wow. 
Where can I run from your presence? If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If, if I'm in the greatest depths of the ocean, behold, your presence is with me. My friends, we cannot run away from God, and we're foolish if we think we can. And, of course, this storm is created, and the smartest thing Jonah ever, ever did was actually realize this storm was not a storm of persecution, but a storm of preservation, God actually didn't create the storm to persecute him. He wasn't being persecuted. God sent it to preserve him. When we're going through a season where there's been a level of disobedience and a storm rises up, don't see it as persecution, see it as the hand of God. The book of Hebrews tells us that the Lord chastens, disciplines, the son or daughter that he loves. That's actually, it's, it's God's goodness. And then it goes on to say, the one who is not being chastened is illegitimate. So if we're in disobedience and there's no storm and there's no big old whale coming to swallow us up and there's no chastening from the Lord, we have to ask ourselves the question, have we really given our lives to God? Because God goes after the ones that he loves. And I love this part of the story. Yes, it's about Nineveh, but it's also about an individual that God wanted to reform by the name of Jonah. I'm gonna give four principles very quickly, very succinctly from the story of Jonah that I believe that we can apply to our own lives, especially right now. The first thought I wanna bring is this, take responsibility for the storm. You can discern maturity from immaturity by this. Immaturity blames. The sailors, just because they were ignorant, they didn't worship God, are casting lots to figure out, who do we blame? Who the heck do we blame? Where can I point my finger? And, and just saying, but that's kind of like the whole world now. The difference between the immature and the mature is the immature blame, but the mature take responsibility. And Jonah very rightly said, the storm was all my fault. I'm gonna take responsibility for the way that things look. 2020, the world awoke to some stormy weather. And trust me, if you're in disobedience, expect for the weather to change. So we wake up in 2020, wipe the sleep out of our eyes. Oh my gosh, why is the world chaotic? We're in a storm, it's dark. Everybody's afraid. Everybody's confused. They don't know if they're Arthur or Martha. What the heck is going on? And the church had to wake up. That, that's an Australian colloquialism. Don't, do you not have that over here? He don't, we used to say, like, well, when I was a kid, oh my gosh, he's so confused. He doesn't know if he's Arthur or Martha. It's quite a profound statement that we are currently living in. But when the message carriers run away from their assignment, it causes a storm. And we're living in the aftermath of a couple of generations that kind of checked out from their due diligence in being disciple makers, in going into the whole world. 200 years ago, the church was in everything. 
The church was in the political world. The church was in the education system. Most of the universities in our nation today were started by the church. They got hold of a spirit of woke, though, and they're a very poor reflection of what their founders intended for them to be. The church was in healthcare. The church, did you know that it was Christians who started hospitals? And now instead of places of faith and healing, they've become places of fear and addressing symptoms and not roots by and large. The church was in everything, but then somewhere along the line, we believed the lie that there were places that the church is not allowed or should not have influence. And you know what resulted in? A storm. A storm that we're now standing in the midst of and we're having to take responsibility. The solution is not to blame. The solution is to stand up and say, it may not have been my fault, but I'm going to take responsibility for the storm. I am going to fulfill the Great Commission, the last words of an ascending man who said, go into the whole world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything. Somebody say everything. Everything, not just some things, not just the bits we like, but everything that I have commanded you. Prop one, passed in California. I I mean, look, of course, shameful, but, but of course. Do you know who the greatest disciple makers of our generation have been? Sadly, it's not been the church because we've been, to a large degree, hiding in the four walls in a holy huddle. There's a world to save. Meanwhile, our young people's choices are reflecting more like the television shows they watch. I, I reckon, look, Friends, sure. I don't want to bash anybody for watching Friends, okay? <laughs> But I'm just saying, are we surprised when we gobbled up as Christians this gospel that you can be 20-something in your early 30s, living your best life single, having casual sex with whoever you want to have casual sex with, working all about your career, making selfish choices, and then we're scratching our heads as to why Prop 1 passed. Oh, I know, I know. We really want to see the, the, the scourge of abortion that has now been legalized to a baby's first birthday. We, we really want to see it turn, right? We want to see it turn. You know what's not going to do it? Screaming on Instagram, yelling louder, pointing fingers at the people that have been intoxicated and enticed by that wicked spirit. You know what's going to change it? When Christians don't run from their assignment, but they engage in it and take responsibility for the storm. I'm gonna disciple young people. I'm gonna start working in kids' church. I'm gonna put on Cherish Mini and teach every young girl that they were created with a divine and godly intent and purpose, that they aren't a mistake, that it's all right that they're nurturers and caregivers and love pretty things, and they can stand in their feminine identity. That's how we stop it. That's how we stop it. Judgment has never changed anyone. And if the church wants to have a lasting impact, we can't be like the sailors who are looking for someone to blame. Take responsibility for the storm. Can I take it one step deeper and talk to the men? 
don't have sex with someone you're not married to. You want to stop women having abortions? Then stop acting like a player. Be responsible with your seed. And if you've had a baby out of wedlock, look after that child. You may not be married to their mother, but still look after and be present with that child. We cannot divorce the lack of fathers in our nation to the scourge of abortion that seems to be ever growing in this state. Amen, Leanne. Oh, I felt that too. Women can't get pregnant on their own. Oh, I don't believe in abortion. Well, look, neither do I, so do your part and let your purpose be bigger than your private parts. And then we'll see the world change. And I didn't say that to shock. I, I just thought of that in the moment. I didn't say that to shock. Although I do, I do want to confront you with the reality because screaming at people isn't working. In fact, they're getting numb. They're getting numb to it. Do we need to be educated? Do we need to call out evil? Yes, but we don't beat up the people that have been deceived by it. They are the mission, they aren't the monster. Understand who the monster is. Take responsibility for the storm. All right, girls, after I, I told the men what's up, I'm gonna tell you what's up. Stop watching those trashy shows that affirm everything that we're meant to be standing against. Again, I'm not talking about condemning, but let me give you a personal story that's gonna make you feel better about yourself. About, gosh, well, it was before we moved to America, it was, it would be probably 20, uh, 2003 or something like that, 2002. I used to love, love watching The Real Housewives series like it didn't matter are they from Jersey are they from New York are they from OC I don't care I'm watching I'm watching I'm watching so entertaining right and um, I remember sitting there one day and I had it on television and I'm sitting back and I've got my my chocolate chip cookies and my <laughs> diet coke to cancel out the chocolate chip cookies and I'm just sitting there like getting ready to to feast on the drama and I just felt the Holy Spirit bump in. And, you know, the Holy Spirit is far less offendable than we give him credit for. <gasps> Don't do that, the Holy Spirit will leave. <gasps> like he's some fragile snowflake. It, no, the Holy Spirit actually turns up in our mess. He's like, well, Leanne, what you watching there? What's that you got there, girl? And um, the crux of the story is this. He said to me, I can't, you having, I can't have you being entertained by something that I'm calling, causing, or calling you to be the solution of. If you're entertained by this drama, how are you gonna help the girls that are caught up in it if you're in it yourself? So, so I have not watched A Housewives since. And you know what now? I, I look at it and it grieves me. I'm like, this is so not what it should look like for women. And I believe that was kind of a test for me before I became the leader of Cherish Women. God, 
God was asking me, can I get you to disentangle yourself from the very things that I'm gonna get you to disentangle other women from? So girls, I wanna say that to you today. It will mess up your relationships, those silly shows. I don't even know what the latest are, but back when I was a TV watcher, is like things like Sex in the City and, you know, even the Friends. It's hard, and you've got to understand the bait is so subtle. Our enemy has not come in with like brush and offensive and ooh. It's little bit by little bit. It's those little inceptions that they put in. Oh, this one has an abortion and it looks so compassionate. And this one has a gay marriage, but they're just so loving. And this one does this and this one does that. And it's just a, a spoonful of sugar makes the heresy go down in the most insidious way. Right? We, we, are, we know the God of the answers. So this is, this is what the sailors very rightly said to Jonah. Who are you? Which God do you serve? And what is your job? And they're great questions that we should all ask ourselves. But very interestingly, he had a declaration about himself that he was not living. I'm a Hebrew. I fear God. Wrong. You fear God? You went into the opposite. You did the opposite thing of what he asked you to do. I actually feel like the sailors fear God more than you fear God, Jonah. But then he goes on to say something that really for the hearer was so incredulous. I worship the God of the land and sea. They're about to be swallowed up by the sea. And they got a man on the ship who's sleeping, who knows the God of the sea, who is intimately acquainted with the one who holds the power to stop the storm and he's sleeping. If people are leaving church, it's because we claim we know the God of the answers, but we've not been able to answer their questions. Church on Sunday, the cherry on top, we need it. Do not forsake the gathering together of the brethren. It's here that you're stretched in so many ways that you don't want to be stretched, full of offensive people, full of offensive preaching. <laughs> but it should be full of faith and full of life. But you know what it should do? It should inspire you. My greatest work as a minister is for you to want to pick up that Bible when you go home and grab a hold of the truth within so when people come to you, you have an answer for their deep questions. So when you say, I worship the God of the land and sea, it doesn't seem like a disconnect is happening, but rather, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I found you. You have the answers. We serve the God of the answers. It's time for the church of Jesus Christ to take responsibility for the storm. Enough blaming. It's time to stand up and do and fulfill the last words of an ascending man. Go into the whole world and make disciples. Men, it starts with you. You want to be the leaders? Please, by all means, go ahead. Bring your family to church. Keep your family together. Work through conflict in your home. Love your wives. Because <laughs> all of me loves all of you. Go, uh, man, this is you singing to your wives. I'm doing it for you. <laughs> all your curves and all your edges, all those stretch marks and that fat roll. I give my all to you. You give your all to me. Your 
like awakened pastors and me right there. <laughs> Hang in there, guys. Oh, and another thing I want to say, what are all these tantrums? Oh, the red wave. What the heck happened? You really think we're going to turn the corruption in this state into flipping elections? What's wrong with you? Be in it for the long haul, my gosh. Don't spit the pacifier, hang in there. It's so funny to me because Jonah's like, throw me into the sea. And there are so many believers like that. It didn't turn out our way, there's a storm. Oh, cast me off, didn't happen the way I thought it would. Throw me into Tennessee, throw me into Flo Rider so I can have Daddy DeSantis take care of me. Well, I tell you what, I like living in a state where there's a bit of hellfire licking up my feet to keep me engaged in my assignment. Throw me into the sea. Oh, I mean, this preaches itself. It's like it was written in 2022. Take responsibility for the storm. See, Jonah tries to check out. And as you read his story, only four chapters, you'll love it. He, this guy has a death wish. He keeps trying to escape the assignment of the Lord. Multiple times in the story, he either tries to kill himself, ask God to let him die, says, I wish I was dead. Like, this is a guy who is in conflict with what God is asking him to do, and we're going to figure out why. But anyway, the Lord managed for a great fish to swallow Jonah. He thought he was just going to go in a very dramatic fashion to the afterlife. Oh, I've got out of it and I look like a hero. Wrong. Gulp. <laughs> Along comes a big old fish and Jonah gets stuck out in, stuck in the most smelliest time out forced altar call of all time. <laughs> like God has prepared an altar call just for you. Chomp. Three days, three days. And we don't know how long it took, but eventually you'll read it in chapter two. We hear Jonah cry out a, a prayer of repentance and God is like, that's what I was looking for. And then he still didn't let him off the hook. That fish didn't take him back to Jerusalem. It spat him up on the shore of his destiny. I reckon Jonah got out like covered in fish guts, little fish skeletons peeling them off his shoulders. You know, like smelling to high heaven, thinking, oh my gosh, I survived and I got out of it, only to turn and see Nineveh. <laughs> Brilliant. You gotta love God. Point number two go where the people are. So Jonah finally gets the message. And we see in Jonah chapter three, verses one to three, that the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. And this is a word for somebody today. God is the God of second chances. If you're carrying condemnation today, cast that off. Receive the mercy of God that he prepares for each of us afresh every morning and go again. The Lord came to Jonah a second time. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message that I have given you. This time Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. I want to tell you this. When 
God wants to give people a message. He doesn't just send a message. He sends a messenger. And isn't it, I mean, we saw that with Jesus. The Bible tells us in the book of John that the word, Jesus, became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. Why? Why is it so important that we just don't pipe off on Instagram about what we believe? Because God doesn't send a message, he sends a messenger. Do you know why he sends a messenger? Because he wants that messenger. It's not just for the people, it's for the man. I want you to see the people that you're about to deliver this message to. Because if you don't see what they see and experience what they experience, if you don't taste what they taste and get to see how they live and have some perspective and understanding, there's a very high chance you're going to miss the mark when the message comes out of your mouth. So God made it so Jonah wasn't allowed to just walk into Nineveh town square, toss in a scroll, and then scurry back in and jump back in the whale's mouth. He's like, I want you to walk through and I want you to see them. I want you to see the mother with her child who's struggling. I want you to see the father over here who's trying to keep it all together. I want you to see the brokenness of the guy who is the collateral damage of the wicked spirit that has been allowed to go uncontested here. I want you to look in their eyes. They are flesh and blood people. Nineveh or San Diego is our Nineveh. We don't need to go to Africa to help people. There's a mission field right here of men and women that don't just need a message, they need a messenger. And they need a messenger that carries the Spirit of God. Enough of the, I think we need to change it from flame throwing to blame throwing. It's abhorrent. It's it's enough of that. Do you know, when you go out into the places and spaces and look people in the eye, you will see... A whole bunch of people that God loves and Jesus died for who are living under deep depression. Many of them having to take every ounce of their strength to get out of bed in the morning with stories and backgrounds and childhoods that we know not of. And what they need is not just a message. They need a messenger. I love my husband. He's a great preacher, but he's an excellent messenger. Everywhere we go, he turns that place upside down in all the best ways with the joy of the Lord that he carries. I mean, I, I, I cannot even count the, the amount of waiters and waitresses that we've got saved. Like he goes into a place quite like Dr. Matt and just owns it. And, and everybody's the better for seeing him. Like there are several restaurants in San Diego that have become our locals where, where Jürgen, it's like he walks in and he's like he's the mayor of the town. They're, they're, they're pushing other people out of the way and pulling him a seat and putting him in there and he's getting free this and free that. Why? Because he's not just a message carrier. He's a messenger of God. And our city needs to see a correct representation of Jesus in our skin. Do you know that, that your life is maybe the only Bible that some people will ever read? And there are people in our city that may not come to church. So we got to bring the church to them. We got to bring the church to them. There's one waiter that we've come to know and love who we've known now for for many years. And we were having dinner the other night. And um, 
we had been praying for his girlfriend who had a cancerous lump in her body. And he was all bound up, you know, in fear and anxiety over what could potentially happen. And we said to him, we're going to pray for your girlfriend. We got him. We prayed with him and we prayed with him over months and months and months. And Jürgen texted him scriptures to confess every time he felt fearful. And we told him how to, we, we shared with him how to take communion. He didn't understand. We're like, Paulo, you drink a lot of wine. You eat a lot of bread. When you do that. Just remember that it's a, it's a receipt of what Jesus did on the cross. And when you eat that bread and you drink that wine, declare the blood of the lamb covers your girlfriend's body and healing will be hers in Jesus' name. The other night, we came in and he just throws his arms around Jürgen. He goes, I love you. I love you. I love you. My girlfriend, completely fine. Completely fine. We, we may not be able to get some people to church, but we can bring the church to them. When God sends a message, he doesn't just send a message, he sends a messenger. Awaken Church, we are messengers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Beautiful. All right. We did that. Point number three. Don't compromise the message. I'm going to take a little bit of a turn here. So Jonah finally gets it together and he, he walks in and he walks into the city, the city square of Nineveh and he says this, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. And then something amazing happens. The Bible says that the Ninevites believe God, a fast was proclaimed and all of them from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, this is what repentance looks like, and sat down in the dust. This is such humility. This is the king of Nineveh, and let me fill you in on a little tidbit. Nineveh was famous for its savagery and its violence. They didn't just kill you. They killed you, and they put your body on display. They were ruthless, they were wicked, they were savage, and they were true enemies of God's people. But these very same people repented and turned to God over the message that was given by Jonah. This is the pro proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. I want the men at Emerge Prayer, men's prayer. I want the ladies at Cherish Prayer. And let them give up their evil ways and their violence. This is revival. Who knows, said the king. God may yet relent and with compassion, from his, compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. And when God saw how they responded, how they turned from their evil ways, he relented, and he did not bring on them the destruction that he had threatened. I want to make this point. If we compromise the message, if we try to water down the truth, if we try to sugarcoat it, if we compromise the message, we will compromise the outcome. We are always to carry the spirit of God, a spirit of reconciliation, but we aren't allowed to change the message. The message is what the message is. Can you imagine if Jonah went in there and he was woke? 
Can you imagine? He finally gets there after 2,500 miles in the wrong direction, smelling of fish guts, and he gets into the town square, and people of Nineveh, I've come very long and very far from places very smelly and constricting to give you a message. Everything's fine. God just wants to be your non-judgmental friend. Come in here for a group hug. No, there was an urgency on the message. The message was, hey, Nineveh, your wicked ways, if you don't repent, you're going to get judged for them. You can't live this way and expect a good result. There is a lightning bolt headed in your direction. God wants to spare you of it. It's time to repent and turn around. Things can be better than they've been. And thank God, everyone from the king to the commoners to the cows repented. And there was a great revival in Nineveh. If we compromise the message, we will compromise the outcome. Oh, all are welcome at Awakened Church, but we're never gonna change the truth to suit people's preferences because it's the truth that liberates. It's the truth that, separ that separates the dark from the light, good from evil. Paul put it this way in the Bible, I believe in the book of Romans. He said, what shall we say then? Is the law sinful? Is truth sinful? No, certainly not. I would not have known what sin was had it not been for the law. And so many churches wondering why people aren't having change in their personal lives. And it's simply because they're just not preaching the truth. There's nothing for them to get saved from because everything's just a choice or a preference. We've removed right and wrong from the table and it's just your decisions and my decisions and this is a good day and that's a bad day, wrong. The instructions of the Lord are life-giving. They save a man or a woman's life. We can't change the truth because we don't want to change the outcome. We want people to come to Christ. Repentance leads to salvation, leads to eternal life, leads to a change. Legacy leads to a city revived. How do we save a city? We don't compromise the message. We're not mean with it. We don't stand looking like the devil, but we certainly don't change what God has authored to change men's hearts and men's lives. Augustine put it this way. He said, the truth is like a lion. Let it out and it will defend itself. The truth doesn't need your personal twist. You, you don't need to make God look better and you certainly don't need to make Him look worse. You don't need to add your, your, your icing on the top of condemnation and shame and how could you? Remember, this is the generation that has been raised and discipled by friends. And it's not until we say, hey, that's, that's not how you live. Let me show you. It's what discipleship is. Walking with someone on the journey where they become like Christ. We are being conformed into the image of the Saviour. God is working on us until the day the sky splits. God will be working on us. We don't change the message. We don't compromise the message because we don't want to compromise the outcome. And then finally, I mean, you think you could end there, chapter three, like let's end it. Let's put a bow on it. The whole city got saved. The cows are saved. Everyone's saved. Like yay team, go God, go Jonah. But then something really crazy happens. So, so God relents and Jonah is mad. Yeah. He's mad at God. 
And we see in this story, he's mad at God because he didn't want them to be spared. He wanted them to be judged. The irony to me is this. Jonah wants judgment on a rebellious nation when a couple of days earlier, he himself was rebellious. It's a sad day when God's messages, messengers want people to be judged for the very thing that God gave them mercy for. And, and we're seeing it a lot in the world, aren't we? And I'm telling you, it is sick, it is twisted. And I know some of the backstories of some of these people by, piping off on Instagram and judging, judging, judging. I'm like, oh, you better back off, friend. Because trust me, you don't want that same finger and that gaze of heaven back on you that you're putting on them. So, so Jonah, Jonah is mad at God and we hear him and he reveals it. I mean, I, I don't, all I'm doing is preaching the story. He says, I know you are slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Therefore now, please take my life from me. There's the death wish again. For it is better for me to die than to, than to live. Then the Lord said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry? You, Jonah, who were forgiven so much, I pursued you to the ends of the earth and back again. And now that same mercy that I gave you, you don't want to extend to them. That's a word for America right now. The final thought, don't forget what God saved you from. Should our past silence us? No. What God forgave you from is your testimony. It's going to help somebody else. Our past should never silence us, but it should sober us. There but for the grace of God go I. I'm very aware of the privilege of my heritage and legacy given to me by my dad. I had a parents who stayed married, who loved me, loved my sisters, took me to church every day. I should look the way I do and better. I've got, I've got the best possible story that I want everybody to have. But I would be a fool if I expected people to look like me without my backstory and not have a little bit of grace for maybe the mess that I now find them in. Church, we can never lose our perspective. Who knows the choices I could have potentially made had my story not been my story? Had I been sexually molested by someone in my family? Had I come from a brutal home that was torn apart by divorce? Had I been put in a situation where every single trigger that a man or woman could experience was triggered? It's so important that we look at the world not with eyes of judgment, but eyes of rec reconciliation there, but for the grace of God go I. Doesn't mean we're silent, but it means that we have a true perspective about the state of the world and our assignment and job as God's messengers. Jesus put it this way. He said, why are you so fixated on the splinter in the eye of your brother or sister when you've got a log in your flipping own eyeball? It's like, it's like Yosemite up in there. But you're so fixated with the, with the speck in the eye of your brother and sister, you're failing to see. You've got a big old log in your old eye and we're gonna call it judgment and we're gonna call it condemnation and we're gonna call it a pharisaical spirit. First get rid of that, yoing. 
and then you'll be able to see clearly. Doesn't mean we don't deal with the splinter. Come here, I know how that feels. I had a log in my eye once and it sucked. <laughs> Let me take the splinter eye. And it changes our, our agenda and our motivation. I'm not now trying to get out your splinter. To <clears throat> How dare you get a splinter? But I'm living in a forest. Give me that splinter. It changes our perspective. Hey, come here, let me help you. I'm not sure if you know. You got a splinter in your eye. I know what that feels like. It's painful. You can't see clearly. Makes you mad at everybody. Come here. Let me help you get that out. We go from judging to helping. San Diego, this is our assignment. Let's never forget what spirit we are of. We can't change the message. We can't compromise the message, but we should never forget what spirit we are of. It was Jesus' final lesson to some of his disciples when they wanted to call down fire like Elijah on some of Jesus' haters. Should we call down fire? And Jesus had to turn to them and go, oh dear. Just a refresher. <laughs> you don't know what spirit you're of. How is it that you've been around me so long, that you've been at Awakened Church so long, and you think it's okay to behave that way? You don't know what spirit you're of. The Son of Man did not come to condemn mankind, but to save them. Our message, our mandate, our assignment. How do we save a city? We stand in our assignment and we let God work on us continually. We let God work on us. This wasn't just a message about saving a city. This was about God getting a message to a broken, dysfunctional, rebellious and judgmental prophet. Amen, Leanne. That's enough for us to chew on, I think. Amen. I wanna ask one more question before we close. Jonah's, Jonah's message to Nineveh. Yet 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. His message had a time frame. Our message has a time frame. I want you to close your eyes and I want you to think about it. This time, this age, this era feels like it will last forever, like this world feels like it will never pass away, but the Bible promises us that it will. One day, the sky is going to split and Jesus is coming back and He's gonna take with Him to heaven everybody that accepted Him. And all those who rejected Him are gonna get what they wanted, a life without Him. Our message has an expiration date. One day we will all stand before God. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour? Have you repented of your sins and fully surrendered your life to Him? If you haven't, today's your day. Lift your hand up nice and high and I'm gonna have some of my friends come find you and pray for you. I want you to lift your hand up. Nobody's looking, I'm not gonna drag you out the front, but I want you to respond. This message has a time frame. We don't know if God's coming back tonight. It could be tonight. Nineveh had 40 days. We don't know if we've even got 40 days. Lift your hand up if that's you today. I'd love to pray for you. I'd love to pray for you. Maybe you're here and you have walked with God once in your life, but you took your life back and it's time to come back to Him. You're kind of like Jonah, the rebellious prophet. And there's a storm, I see that hand. God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for your courage. I love it when men raise their hands. 
Is there anyone else today? Last 30 seconds, I'd love, love to pray with you. I see that hand, God bless you, sir, wonderful. Two men responding today. Is there anyone else? Anyone at all? Our message has a time frame. Thank you, Lord, for your love. Holy Spirit, you are seeking and saving all who are lost. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Two hands. I love it. A yes and an amen. All right, everybody stand to your feet. For those two men that raised your hands, one of my friends saw you. They're going to come to you and pray with you. This may be your second, third, fourth time of giving your life to the Lord. Good for you. I'm proud of you. Everyone just lift your hands, let us pray. Father, I thank you that you have sent us as ambassadors to San Diego, this great city that you love with over three million souls of people with stories and backgrounds and lives and hearts that you are intimately acquainted with. God, let us be messengers of truth and messengers of love. Your word says that it is mercy and truth that makes atonement for iniquity. Father, we don't wanna be judges of our society. We wanna be atoners. We wanna be reconcilers. We want to, to draw people in with loving kindness and loving truth that sets them free and sets them on a course to having the life that you always destined them to have. Father, bless every person in this church today. God, all those who are carrying things that feel like a weight they cannot bear. Father, that you're lifting those burdens. They would know your presence, they would know your love, and they would know your peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you, everyone. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.